This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Ready to dive into God's Word with us? Join our next online Bible study. Throughout the year, we'll dive into Lifeway Women's Studies that cover a variety of topics and hear from several different amazing Bible teachers. For each study, you can access the teaching videos for a limited time, comment and interact with others walking through the study, and track your progress. See what we're studying next at lifewaywomen.com forward slash OBS. Hello and welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Heinemann and I am here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. And I'm actually here with, <laughs> I know. with each other, which is really amazing. We just said, has it been a year since we've been in the well, same we, room? We did record place. at Forum. Yeah. That's so that's true. like a live, but that that's was a little bit different. This is, this is different. So we're excited and we're excited to have our guest on today, Aaron yes. Davis. Aaron's a friend. I've known yes. Aaron. Aaron, I don't know how long I've known you, but it's been... A long, a long time. Back in student ministry type things you were right. doing. And so it's so right. good to have you on our podcast. But I'm not in Nashville, which is such I a bummer know. because you guys have such a great food scene. I'm but in Missouri, we do need but to I'm let, with you in spirit. We do need to let our listeners know that you're set up for the podcast. Like, I hate that y'all can't see it because she's got like <laughs> candles in the background. She's got Christmas lights and they're real. It's not just like a fake background that it's, she's got yeah, going on. No, it's, it's not like that pixely beach that yeah. some people throw up. It, it's, it's real really deal. Nice. So, yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. I'm inspired. That's right. I need to up my game on my Zoom background. <laughs> me too. I think people are tired of seeing my office at the house. <laughs> yeah. So I need to up my game a little bit. So Aaron, this is all about you. We're not going to talk about us, but we do want to know. Tell us a little bit about you, your family, your ministry. You've got a lot going on. Mm, yeah, that is so true. Yeah, I, I'm Aaron. I live in Missouri with my family, which includes my husband, Jason. We were high school sweethearts. We've been married a long time. And we're the proud parents of four sons. Mm-hmm. So they are four to 14. You do the math, five males in my house, one <laughs> female in my house. Uh, so a lot of my days are spent running to basketball and soccer and quiz bowl and all that stuff, which is so fun to be in the thick of it. But uh, we also just want to spend our days living for Jesus in addition to how we're serving him in our family. So we're both on the ministry team at Revive Our Hearts. I'm the content director. He's the marketing director. um, And we're heavily involved in our sweet church, Green Tree, where we host Bible studies and teach Sunday school and just try to serve the Lord with gladness anywhere we can. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about Revive Our Hearts, because I will admit I've heard of it a lot, but I don't know exactly what all you do at that ministry. That's okay. I'm happy to tell you. Jason would tell you, that's my husband, he would tell you we change the world, and then you'd look at him funny, and he'd say that we help women know and love their whole Bibles, and a woman who knows and loves her whole Bible is going to change her family, impact her family, and that's going to impact her community, and that's going to impact her world. So uh, our mission is to call women to freedom, fullness, and fruitfulness in 
Christ. And so we do that in a variety of different ways. Um, I get to host several podcasts with them. I get to create print resources. It's really a joy to serve on that team. And that ministry is headed by Nancy DeMoss Wogamuth. So I'm sure you've heard of Nancy, a gifted Bible teacher, and it's a joy to serve under her leadership. I bet. And you you emcee some of their events. So Erin, I do see you in a lot of different places. And so your impact is really, really kind of goes wide and and far. And so we're grateful for that. And you actually, um, you're not a new writer, um, you know, things like that, but um, you do have a new devotional book out and it's called Fasting and Feasting. And is this the first book you've done with B&H? Uh, I wrote a book called Connected with That's B&H several right. years ago that was a book on loneliness. And I've done several Bible studies with the Lifeway right. arm of your ministry. But yeah, yeah the, the devotional part was new for me, and I enjoyed it so, so much. This was the book that I wrote when we were all hunkered down during COVID. We were all thinking about food. Yes. <laughs> we were all missing going to restaurants. We were all snacking all the time. And I was writing a book about food, and that book became Fasting and Feasting. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about Fasting and Feasting. Well, it started with the discipline of fasting, which um, people tend to have pretty strong reactions to that topic. I'm learning, but it's interesting because it's all over our Bibles. And I'm not just talking about proof texting or taking one or two things from here or there. It's all over the Old Testament. It's all over the New Testament. Um, And I started practicing fasting just as part of my walk with the Lord, because anything time I see something in scripture, I believe God intends for me to live that out. And so I started fasting just as my own discipline and found it to be a tremendous gift. Now, for New Testament followers of Jesus, it isn't a mandate for us. This obviously isn't a salvation issue, whether you fast or not. But I like to say fasting is feasting. And so I embarked on several fasts of various lengths. And just the Lord was doing so much in my life, I wanted to start telling other women about it. And that's what I found, those strong reactions. Either what is fasting? I feel like I've never heard anybody talk about it or I'm never going to fast. Usually people were not kind of in the middle about it. So I wanted to write about fasting, but um, I also, as I started to search scriptures just on that topic, I realized that God doesn't just call us to fast. He calls us to feast. And that's true in a literal sense in our relationship with food, but that's, isn't that the Christian life? It is a life of self-denial. It is a life of sacrifice. It is a life of laying aside what sometimes feels like a need, but it's also a life of abundance, of joy, of celebration. So I wanted to show those two sides of food that I think are in scripture. And so the book's a 40-day devotional. I chose 40 day because Jesus fasted for 48 days, but it alternates between those two topics. So it's not a call to fast and feast and fast and feast and fast and feast, <laughs> to fast for feast for 40 days, uh, but to try and get the theology of those two ideas settled in your heart. And then it's going to play out in your relationship with food from there. This is not a diet plan. This is not intermittent fasting. This is, this is really feasting on God's word and And, really, but the discipline of how we react to food and how we really have that engagement as far as um, how that interacts with our spiritual life. Because I do think the more that we consider that God has made us um, body, soul, and spirit, and we see all of that working together. Um, I think mm-hmm. there, there is a, a challenge there. And I, I looked at the book a little bit yesterday, and I noticed the format to me seemed a little different than a lot of devotionals. And I wanted to just yeah. ask you about that because they were a little bit longer, and there's a lot of reflection and really interaction for the person doing it. So would you talk a little bit about that? 
Well, if you spent five minutes with me, which you've now done, you might go, "Woo, that girl's a little intense. So fluff is not something that I am very good at. And so this is not, when you think devotional, you can sometimes think a little bit of scripture, a lot of the writer's opinion. Maybe there's a place for that. But for me, I always want to go for the spiritual jugular. And so you're going to get a lot of scripture. And I always want to um, defamiliarize scripture when I can. Those passages, you feel like, oh, yeah, I've heard that a million times. Suddenly, I want you to go, oh, I've never heard it like that. Or I never saw that food was all over my Bible. Or I never knew Jesus talked about it that much. So you're going to be in your Bible a lot, which means hopefully I've done my job. My job is not for you to think I'm an amazing writer. My job is for you to know that God is an amazing author himself and that his word is for your good. So you're going to do the digging. And one of my educational mantras for a long time has been whoever's doing the work is doing the learning. So I guess I could spoon feed you uh, and you might appreciate that. We all have constraints on our time, but I really do want you to roll up your sleeves and get into God's word yourself. So they are a little longer, lots of scripture, and then you're going to do some work at the end of each one. I set it up like this. Lord, I've set the table. Please uh, bring the feast. I heard a woman pray that once. And the big idea is I've done what I can do. But you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, have to do the hard work here. And um, so it's just an invitation to invite him through his Holy Spirit to work in your heart through this book. Yeah, I love the defamiliarizing of scripture. Yeah. I think that's so important, especially with a topic like this. Like you said, it's all throughout scripture, but we kind of tend to skip over it. We're just like, oh, fast. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, fasting and praying, done. Or yeah. we've like taken it to mean something that it's not. And um, mm. because we're scared mm -hmm. of what it really means. Are we, are, um, I'm yeah. going to fast from, I don't, I'm not going to say anything, but it just <laughs> may be like something that really isn't, isn't a fast. Yes. Well, I'll go yeah, there if you won't. So I used to say, I would love to know oh, it doesn't have to be food. Yeah. Uh, what I hear a lot is I could fast from social media. Mm -hmm. I could fast from TV. Well, I wrote that somewhere many years yeah. ago and a woman wrote to me and challenged me. And in scripture, it's, it's always food, right. food with one exception when Paul said that married couples could fast from sex for a time to pray. Mm -hmm. So it's food or sex. Yeah. And um, so what I so if you fast from social media, you're not going to die. Yeah. You might feel a little twitchy. Actually, you're probably going to find <laughs> your brain feeling really good. And uh, there's a lot of things you could take a break from, and that might be a great discipline for you. But food is essential to survival, and it's something you have to do every day. Now, sex may be to a lesser so. God's created it as a really essential component of the intimacy between a man and his wife. So it's that essential nature again. And, um, you know, Instagram's never going to be that. So I would challenge us to let's have the conversation as the Bible frames it, which is that when we talk about fasting, most of the time we're talking about food. Yeah. And I think like, like you said, it can be very helpful to fast from other things, but that's not necessarily sure. what we're called to do in the Bible. Um, and so we right. can maybe couple that with our fast from food from time to time. And so um, sure. I do think that's a good distinction because, yeah, we have people that are, I mean, I'm guilty of this. I'll fast from like other things. Mm -hmm. And those have been helpful disciplines for me. And sure. they have really brought me like, depending on what it was, there have been some times where I've been brought closer to God through it and realized mm -hmm. that I had placed that thing as a necessary item in my life, even though, like you said, it was not, it was not food. It was not. Um, well, one time I did fast from all beverages except for water. Mm -hmm. And mm. that was kind of 
It's not to get ahead. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, so like the caffeine was had become a necessity in my life, but was not actually right. a necessity in my life. And so that did break me from that. And that really I had to depend on God a lot during that time because mm-hmm. I also chose to right. do it during finals of um, seminary, which was not a wise mm. choice for me. But um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it was wise in the end because it, <laughs> it, it fulfilled its purpose of bringing me closer to God. But anyway, I do appreciate that distinction of like what may be helpful, but what is the biblical call? The biblical call is to give up something that's necessary. Yeah. 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 yeah let me tell a little story on my son, my poor sons, when your mom's a writer talker, <laughs> you're just a constant right. anecdote. Yes. But several years ago, I was deep cleaning his room while he was at school and under his bed, I found this shoe box of wrappers. <laughs> he had obviously been sneaking food. So there was like half a jar of chocolate frosting in there and a, part of a bag of chips and, you know, just all this garbage from stuff that I, I would have let him eat. It's not like that stuff's forbidden, but either the time he was eating it or I wouldn't have eaten it, let him eat half a jar of chocolate frosting. <laughs> so he gets home from school and I show him the box and he's like, mom, it's just food. And I said, yeah, bud, but if you're willing to sneak and cover your tracks on food, that's just going to grow yeah. and you're going to be willing to sneak and cover your tracks on things that are much more harmful to you. And I think that's another element of food being what we fast from. You know, if you're willing to have a lack of self-control or not address your lack of self-control in food, if you're willing to have a kind of I deserve this mindset about food, if you're willing to get disconnected from the fact that God is your provider of food, any number of tentacles that this could have in that very basic everyday behavior then it does indicate that perhaps that might spread or grow into other areas. So I think that's another reason why God calls it to be food. Yeah, and I have a professor, and I'm sure he he may have originated this, I don't know, but I had a professor in seminary that said, an idol is anything that you will sin to get or you will Mm. sin if you don't get it. So Mm. like Mm. anything that you make so important in your life that you're willing to sin in order to get it or when you don't have it you behave in a sinful way and I thought that definition was really good and strong for this and could be could be applied to food it could be applied to a lot of things things, Um, but definitely something to I think that's important to look at when you're fasting Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah we are a nation of food worshipers Mm -hmm. which we don't really address but to, to speak of the pandemic that shall not be named again, like what were we the most freaked out about? We were most freaked out about being cut off from our restaurants. Well, Never mind paper. that we couldn't I go mean, to church. Well, and toilet paper. paper. <laughs> yeah, true. That's also a necessity. But I mean, food, we just expose like we panic. Yeah. And it's not like we were starving as people in some nations are. We just were cut off from, you know, maybe our favorite whatever. And so, yeah, that idolatry piece, I think is, is maybe why people react with so much discomfort when we have the conversation about fasting. For sure. Okay, I'm going to ask you just practically. So someone might be listening to this and they've never fasted from anything. Like that's just not been part of their tradition, their practice, their spiritual disciplines. Where does someone start? How would you encourage someone to begin developing this in their life? Mm, I would say this, that I think eventually... The Holy Spirit nudges all mature believers to consider fasting. So it doesn't happen that you give your life to Jesus and then the next day you feel this 
sense that maybe you should start fasting. I think it's a maturing process that happens. And my answer for where to start is the same no matter where the question is, what the question is, which is open your Bible. And I'm going to give you some really specific assignments. I want you to read through the Gospels and pay attention to exactly when and how Jesus fasted, which he did very regularly. And it's, it's not formulaic ever. So it's not like it's this many days or it's this kind of food or it's, you do this when you fast. Jesus showed us a variety of fasts. And for me, the fact that Jesus did it is enough reason for me to want to try and understand it. And so I would just say, you know, in your time with the Lord, say, okay, I heard this podcast on fasting. I've heard of that before. I have no idea what that looks like for me. Would you show me? And he is so wonderful to show us what he means through his word. Then we have the Holy Spirit to help us walk that out. Uh, Women always want to know, how long have you fasted? What did you eat? What didn't you eat? I'm really cautious to give those answers because there's no one size fits all fast. And in my experience, when I've gone to the Lord and said, okay, I I want to fast because of this reason. Scripture gives us a lot of concrete reasons to fast. I want to fast because of this reason. What does that look like for me? Um, that's become clear to me. And so it's not reading the tea leaves. It's just abiding in the Holy Spirit, letting him show you uh, what that looks like. And so I would start with prayer, read the gospels, pray again, and see what the Lord does in your life. And really the gospels kind of tell us not to make a big deal out of like, it's not right. going to be a public announcement of, hey, right. today, or I, you know, I choose like this is, it, it should be something that is between you and the Lord, Right. Right. Well, I think that's part of why this conversation feels a little awkward. There's this passage where Jesus is teaching and he says, when you fast. So let's pause right there. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say if. Um, and, and Jesus is talking as if those who follow him are going to fast. Now, I do know he was teaching in a Jewish context where fasting would have been more familiar. But I still think that he will eventually nudge on the heart of all maturing believers and ask us to consider this. But then he goes on to say, don't be like the hypocrites when they fast. They make themselves look sick. They draw attention to themselves. And then he says they have received their reward in full. He says, when you fast, go behind the closed door, call out to your father who sees in secret, and he's going to reward you. So he's saying he's not saying you can't ever tell anybody when you fast, because Jesus himself fasted and told people when he fasted. So it's not like a taboo. You can never tell anyone. But if you want something other than maybe somebody paying a little bit of attention to you or somebody thinking you're really great because you fasted, that's the reward the Pharisees got. And that was the end of it. If you want the reward to be God doing something supernatural in your life, then it really is between you and the Lord. So, but but I don't think you have to keep it a secret. You're going to need some help, especially if you take on a long fast. I've taken on several. You're going to need your family to be involved. I don't think you have to sneak around with it. But of course, the point is not to draw attention to you. And aren't you so super spiritual because you're fasting? The point is to turn your heart towards the Lord. So he's always after our hearts. Okay, well, we've talked about fasting let's talk about feasting Feasting. yeah so what is (laughs) feasting and what does that look like in modern times like is it always a huge meal what is what is a feast 
Yeah, I think we all tend to think, oh, I'm good at the feasting, not good at the fasting. I'm not sure we're good at the feasting either. I first became interested in this from Leviticus 23, where there are these seven feasts that God gave the Israelites in in the area. They'd fled Egypt. They weren't yet in the promised land. And he was teaching them how life should look when they were no longer under the thumb of Pharaoh. And sure, he gave them some rules. He definitely gave them some regulations, but he also gave them their calendar. And their calendar looked like this. Feast, 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 seven times in a year, some of the very long feasts. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting that when God gives his children his their calendar, he wants them to spend it feasting. So I think for me, the disconnect has been enjoying food. And that sounds a little strange because I'm a foodie. I love to cook. I love to celebrate with food. On some level, we all do. But I hadn't connected the dots to what David wrote in Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm -hmm. So I think feasting is more of a hard attitude than everything that's on your table. Um, But it is like, oh my goodness, this cup of coffee I drank came from the Lord. This turkey sandwich I made is a gift from the Lord. Dinner this evening with my four boys and my husband. It'll be loud. It'll be rowdy. I'm going to have to tell two of them to sit in their chairs 11 billion times. But that opportunity to come together and gather around food, that's from the Lord. So I think it's an attitude of food is good and food is a gift, which can be very hard for us. We have this I don't don't know a better term. We have this bipolar culture of like food is everything and food is the enemy. And I think God calls us to this middle ground of gratitude of realizing that he's given us food and celebrating that. This is, here's a little, you know, this might win you at a quiz competition sometime. (laughs) There's um, 7,000 different kinds of apples, 7,000 different kinds of apples. Why? Not to mention how many different kinds of berries and how many different kinds of proteins and how many different kinds of grain. God could have just given us oatmeal and that would sustain us, keep us healthy. We'd be fine. We could function. I like oatmeal. I don't want to eat it all day, every day. But he's given us these tremendous varieties of gifts to showcase his creativity and to be like, try this. Isn't this good? I made this for you. Isn't this good? Taste and see that I am good. And I think regular rhythms of that are really what he calls us to in his word. Yeah, I love the the variety of different foods that he's given us, but also just the talents and the skills that he's given people to make really good food, like the artistic abilities. Um, I've been thinking a lot about art this year. And so I'm just, that is an art, like making good food out of the ingredients that God has made for us. It's such a creative work and one that's, um, yeah, God glorifying in a lot of ways. Yeah, he knew since, since, since before time began, he knew that a little bit of grain and a little bit of egg and a little bit of buttermilk was going to make these beautiful fluffy pancakes right? <laughs> and that we would be able to enjoy those with our children on Saturday morning. So it's just like this, this daily gift that I just missed for so long, even though I was eating, even though I was enjoying food, I missed what an opportunity for worship it is. That's a reminder of how we say a blessing before mm-hmm. we, before we eat, you know, that's yeah. just part of my family's regular rhythm, wherever we are, we stop and we bow our heads, but to recognize that this is a gift from the Lord. And I love even yeah. the thought of the feast, the wedding feast of the lamb mm-hmm. at the end. Like, mm. you know, we see that at the end of scripture that it will be a feast, right? Because we're in right. the presence like that. I mean, it's not about the food. It's about the presence of God. Yeah. 
right? And, and but even though he gives us himself plus 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 plus, plus he describes himself as the bread of life, which is him saying like, I am what you need. I will sustain you. Feast on me. But he doesn't just give him himself. He, I I think there's evidence to believe we're going to be eating in heaven, which is remarkable to Mm -hmm. me. So it's this forever kind of gift that he has for us. And like everything we have to do every day, Mm -hmm. we can lose the wonder of that pretty quickly. Um, But I can tell you, it does change your relationship with food when you realize it's a gift from God, because then it becomes about stewardship Mm -hmm. and that really changes the game. Yeah. And, and much like fasting is all throughout the Bible. So it's feasting. It's all, all around people coming to a table, eating together. And I think it's um, not only a worship experience, but it also can be an evangelical experience. It can Mm -hmm. be a um, reminding us of the gospel story as we eat. And I have a friend who often in her, pre-meal blessings will thank God for the farmers mm-hmm. and that always just like brings us all back to where this came from and obviously it came from God before the farmers got to it but I think that's just like such a an easy tangible way to just remind yourself like this didn't originate in you know Kroger or Publix like this originated bag, right <laughs> in the earth with God's help um, right. and so I think that's uh, just a a little thing you can incorporate into yeah, your pre-meal blessing. It kind of goes back to the soil and isn't yeah. that scriptural? I mean, yes. like, you can just think back all of those things that God uses in scripture, if, mm-hmm. going back to that. Okay, Erin, I'm going to turn this to a personal question because right. you've you've really been very transparent on social media about some struggles that you've had with food. And I think that, it, I mean, because it'd be really easy for you to come on this podcast and everyone to listen and go, well, she just must have it all together. She like she just gets <laughs> yeah. it. But you've been very honest about you've had some struggles. So would you mind sharing a little bit about your journey through that? Mm, happy to. Well, I think the legacy of food in my family is one that's a little gnarled. Um, I have a very beautiful mama who all my childhood watched her be on every kind of diet you can imagine. And that was very confusing to me as a child because she was gorgeous and she loved Jesus. And so I didn't understand why she was so unhappy with her. So if you could go back another generation to my grandma, another really beautiful woman, I come from many lines of beautiful women. And um, the kind of part of our family lure is that in the 50s she ate a tapeworm to lose weight this was pre-fda when you could eat those kinds of things uh did she lose weight well of course she did she had a parasite but we, we would joke about that around the table and so but at the same time these women were amazing cooks they taught me to love food my best memories are in the kitchen with them so there's like again this disconnect and um i i learned how to cook I learned how to gather people around a table. I did not learn how to steward food. And so then I found myself last year at the beginning of uh, last year in a full-blown health crisis. So my kidneys were failing. My heart was on the border of heart failure. And I was in tremendous pain all the time. I was 42 at the time. Sat in a cardiologist office and he looked me in the eye and said, you're obese and you can either make changes or you can die in your 40s. And things get really real really quickly when a doctor says those things to you. I have four children and my choice was, I I didn't have a choice. I couldn't just continue to let my body my body was screaming, you're making bad choices, help, we, we need to feel better. And so I really quickly 
had to learn new things. And I, one of the things I realized is that I had no body theology. Kelly, you mentioned this earlier. I'd never thought about it, that God has created me body, soul, mind, and spirit. They're all from him. And he told me to love him with everything I got. There's a passage where Paul talks about physical training is of some value, but spiritual training is of greater value. Well, I read that to think every day, Aaron, you have two choices. You can either nurture your spirit or you can nurture your body and you should choose your spirit. Well, no, that's not what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, Physical exercise has some value. You have a body. You should take care of it. But of course, you are not the sum total of your body. So I felt like I was in kindergarten. I had to learn to eat healthy. I had to learn what exercising daily looked like. I had to learn how much water I really needed. I had to learn to rest for the first time in my life. The whole thing felt very uncomfortable and a little bit embarrassing. But on the other side of it, um, I have discovered so much freedom. So every week I'll write on my to-do list, love Jesus, you have time. I'll write to myself because I have to remind myself, you really do have time in your day to be with your Lord. And then I'll write, love your family. And the third thing I write every week is take care of your one precious body. You don't get another one. And so it's been just, it's been a very huge paradigm shift for me. But in the long, the journey, I've learned that so many of us women have no body theology at all. Or if we do, we have a bad one. And um, I have to do everything the Lord's given me from this body. So I have to love my family from this body. I have to teach his word from this body. I have to serve the one another's of scripture from this body. So I don't, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm learning a lot and God's showing me a lot. And it's things that I wish I'd known sooner, but I'm so grateful to be learning it now in my mid forties. I think that is something that we're starting to, I'm starting to see more and more people connect those dots of like, yes, God has given me a soul and a spirit and a mind, but also my body. And I have to, right. Like you said, it's my one body that I get. So how do I steward that well? And I think I'm seeing more and more people connect those dots between uh, the theology that they think and know and feel to also their body. And so that's a good and important work, I think. Yeah, I mean, Scripture calls us to be ambassadors for the Lord. It uses soldier language. We're in a fight. And I was on a trajectory to take myself out of the fight by not taking care of myself. And and if God gives me an average lifespan, I could still be doing things for the kingdom for the next 40 plus years, but not on the path I was on. I was going to crash and burn and a lot less than that. And so my eyes have been open to how many of us take ourselves out of the game. And by the game, I mean uh, the Great Commission, simply because we feel so terrible because we've made such bad choices. We had a conversation about this on another podcast I was on just this week. And a woman wrote to us and said, for me, it was realizing I couldn't help at women's events anymore. It just made me too exhausted. That was her little light bulb to go, like, because I'm not taking care of my body, I can't serve in the ways God's wired me to serve. I thought that was really insightful and I appreciated her honesty. Yeah. I was even thinking this yesterday. Um, it was beautiful here. And so in the afternoon, I was like, I have got to get outside and go take a walk. I, mm. In January, when we're recording this, it's, you know, it was a reminder yeah. <laughs> of how you don't get a lot of these days. Go go for a walk. And um, I, as I was walking my dog and we're just doing kind of our normal walk, I encounter one of my neighbors who's going through a divorce. Mm. And so we had a chance to talk 
and I had a chance to tell him that I was praying for him. Um, then I had another neighbor who stopped and asked me about my, you know, I was, it was a reminder too of this, um, like you said, our, God gave us a body to serve. And even in that moment, I was just like, this wasn't just a walk today. This was ministry. Yep. This wasn't just to get exercise, but this was, God put me on a path to encounter other people. And and so I think we just sometimes forget. And so, yeah, when you said that about someone not being able to help, I don't know, you know, maybe in our ministry, whoo, that's that's something we all have to evaluate for yep. sure. Let me give us a couple of words that have I've been using to reframe my approach to food and moving my body and sleep and all that. One is what you just described, availability. I want to be healthy, not so that I can fit into the same clothes I wore as a teenager. That's not happening for babies later. <laughs> but I want to be healthy so I can be available to serve as the Lord calls me to serve. So availability. The other one is stewardship. I I can, in Christ, I have the freedom to eat four donuts if I want to. All is permissible. But is that a good stewardship of my day, my calories, my energy? It's not. It's going to make me cranky in about 30 minutes. And then there's obedience. For me, this has been a, will you be obedient, Aaron, to take these steps? Or will you arch your back and say, I'm going to eat what I want. I don't have time to exercise. I'm not going to sleep. So, Availability, stewardship, and obedience. That's not the same as weight loss or whatever else way we would want to phrase them. Those are really biblical ways to phrase frame anything, um, including food. Yeah, and those can be, no matter what your food struggle, your health struggle is, those three words can apply to that. Because um, right. we are aware that not everyone has the same relationship with food. Not everyone has the same health issues. And so it can look a lot of different ways. And I think that those three words are good grounding in that because maybe for you, it's exercising less or yep. whatever it may be. But in those ways, we can steward, we can be obedient um, and we can be available. So I think that's I've good. definitely heard from women who are the other side of the spectrum from me where exercise has been an idol right. or this idea of feasting is really scary to them because mm -hmm. it feels out of control and they really like having a lot of control over what they eat. So you're right. What they eat, you're right. It's a spectrum. And that's where, you know, this isn't a rule book. It requires right. walking in the spirit, abiding in him, knowing his word, pressing into his church, all the things we have to do to walk out our faith in Jesus. Okay, well, there we are. There we are. I mean, that's mm. good. But we we have to ask our last question. We do. Um, even though that would be a great note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> um, we want to ask you, what is one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ? Mm, it's got to be his word. I mean, I have been so changed by his word and it's been incremental. So I've been walking with the Lord 25 years and learning his word for 25 years. And unfortunately, he doesn't just plug in a USB drive to me and sanctify me. Um, that would be great. But day by day by day, that's obedience again. That's availability again. It's stewardship again through his word. He, he has really marked me. Here's what I want on my tombstone. Write it down and tell my husband and children if they forget. I want people <laughs> to say, she made the world's best chocolate chip cookies. I want them to say, I loved my people exceptionally well. And I want people to say, I loved and lived God's word. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. beautiful. I think that's something that we would all love to be able to, yeah. to just people to say that we loved mm -hmm. God's word and we, 
And also yeah. that we make the best chocolate chip cookies. I would love that. We can share that title. Yeah. That does not hurt. That does not hurt. Absolutely. Yes, for yeah. sure. The word, the word is the more important thing there. I think I think right. it is. I just like have I been searching for a good chocolate chip cookie recipe. So that like uh, piqued my interest. Oh, when yeah. I'll hook you up. Yeah. Right. I, this is this is gonna sound silly. <laughs> I am embarrassed to say this, but I spent about six years perfecting the chocolate chip hey, cookie. So that is I gotta an figure endeavor it out. that I have thought about embarking on. So I will just like ask for your Let me save you the that. time. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to share you guys it, we'll got put episode it in the notes? show notes. Yeah. Yes. There you go. We can put that there. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, Aaron, this has been a great conversation. I kind of have a lot of more things I'd love to, I know. to say, but I know we've, we're running out of time, but thank you so much for being um, on here today. We do want people to, to find your devotional book at, and, um, it, I think if you just go to lifeway.com and you just right. put in fasting and feasting, you're going to find it. Or you can put in Aaron Davis and you'll find find it that way as well. Or any of your favorite places that you like to buy books, you can find it there too. So <laughs> listeners, thanks so much for joining us again today. And we hope that you'll be back next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag marked podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.